Once again, we have an Old Testament Scripture passage and a New Testament Scripture passage. The Old Testament Scripture passage this evening is Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 through 11. And that can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,401. 1,401. remember Hosea? Hosea is the prophet who was instructed by God to marry a prostitute as a picture of God's relationship with the people of Israel. He was married to them by covenant, and they were adulterous by their turning away from him to other gods. And in chapter 6, Hosea is speaking of uh, unrepentant Israel. Hear now the reading of God's word. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flash like lightning upon you. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Like Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of wicked men, stained with footprints of blood. As martyrs lie in ambush for a man, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, committing shameful crimes. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There Ephraim is given to prostitution, and Israel is defiled. Also for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. Whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people, whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed. The crimes of Samaria revealed. That's Hosea chapter 6, 1 through 11. That's an unfortunate chapter break, in my opinion. We're also going to be looking at Romans chapter 5. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 1753. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 20. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many die by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life for the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result, 
of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Honestly, I'm unsure sure why I put 12 through 20 instead of just 12 through 21. We're also going to be looking at uh, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 3. It's in the back of your Psalter hymnals on page 10. Lord's Day 3 in the Heidelberg Catechism. And we're going to do uh, the question and answers responsibly. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying responsibly. We should do it responsibly and responsibly, okay? Did God create man so wicked and perverse? No. No. Then where does man's corrupt nature come from? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve in paradise. This all is that so poisoned our nature that we are born sinners, corrupt from conception on. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? teaching of the catechism. Every story arc, every story arc has what we would categorize as a fall. Think of any hero, any Marvel superhero, any famous lifelong character like King Arthur or Harry Potter, or whatever you want to think of, they all have a fall. It's what makes a movie good, engaging. It's what makes somebody like Superman relatable. Because if Superman didn't have kryptonite, then he would be just like out of this world. Somebody you couldn't even relate to. The fall is what I'm talking about when you're watching a movie and things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse and worse and until they hit rock bottom and you think that this movie, how is it possibly going to turn around and then all of a sudden there's a redemptive arc and they make a turnaround and then at the end, they're the one still standing. At the end, they're the one that got the girl. At the end, they're the one that fill in the blank. Every story has a fall, a rock-bottom moment. And what I want to speak to you today is about the rock-bottom moment of humanity. 
the rock bottom moment of humanity. You see, some want to look at the atrocious acts that have happened in history, like the Holocaust, which is horrible, like the horrible amount of abortions that have happened in our nation. And I say, this is the, the, the bottom, this is the rock bottom of humanity's collective history. And what I want to communicate to you is what the scriptures communicate. Actually, the rock bottom of humanity is Genesis 3. It's the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. And hopefully as we look at the scriptures today, and as we go through the catechism, you will, uh, you will believe me on that, okay? So... What we're doing tonight, essentially, is uh, we are confessing. We confess our fallen nature. Uh, It's what the catechism says in question seven, corrupt nature, Um, our depravity, our fallen nature. You could uh, put whatever word you want in there, but that's what we're doing. We're confessing that we are fallen creatures. And we're going to look at this in three points tonight. The source of our fallen nature. Number two, the extent. Of our fallen nature. And number three, the solution. The solution to our fallen nature. Okay? So let's look at the source first. Source of our fallen nature is uh, question six and seven, really, is what communicates this. We're asked the question, did God create man so wicked and perverse? This is coming right after Lord's Day 2, where we said, confessed together in question and answer five, that we have a natural tendency to hate God and neighbor. So, natural tendency to hate. And to, uh, in response to this question, we're asked, did God do this? Did God make us this way, wicked and perverse? So, the catechism is categorizing a natural tendency to hate God and neighbor as wicked and perverse. It's a corruption. And the answer that we get is no. And this is so important. This answer is so important to so many issues that are going on in this world that we don't even think about. These answers, this answer right here connects to what we believe as Christians called the image of God. The image of God. God created man good and in his own image. That is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might truly know God, his creator, love him with all his heart, and live with him in eternal happiness for his praise and glory. So what we could say is, um, God did not create us wicked and perverse. No, he created us in his image, and his image entails all these things. Righteousness. Holiness, 
knowledge of God. Love. Live. Happiness. All these things entail what it means to be made in the image of God. It means that this is our intent. This is our purpose. The source of our creation is that God has made us in His image upright, righteous, holy, with the ability to know Him, to praise Him, to worship Him, to love Him with all of our heart, to be with Him forever and live in eternal happiness. This is the intent of our creation. This is why God made man in His own image, male and female. And so when we look at the things that are going on in our lives, when we look at the other people that we interact with, when we look at all the brokenness that is going on, behind all that, we need to keep in mind, we need to remember image of God. Sinner, sinful, yeah, image of God. Doesn't look like me, doesn't talk like me, doesn't have the same skin color as me, doesn't have the same religion as me. Image of God, doesn't have the same sexual orientation as me. Image of God. This is what roots us all together. This is what we were all made for, all of mankind. We were made to image God. We were made to be with Him forever, eternally happy to please Him in holiness and righteousness. That's what we were created for. That's what we were made for. But that doesn't explain the source of our fallen nature. So if this is where we started, how did we get to where we are now? With all kinds of sinfulness, all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of wickedness and perversion. Question 7 describes that for us. Where does man's corrupt nature come from? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. So the source is Adam and Eve. Source is our first parents in paradise. And this fall has poison. So you could describe this natural tendency or fallen nature as a poisoned. Our nature that we are born sinners, corrupt from conception on. That's not how you spell poison. I need a smart board that does spell check for me. Poison. This is something that many people find unfair. It's an objection that I come across often. This concept that how can what Adam and Eve did in the garden thrust all of humanity into guilt? How can babies who are born be born in sin? Well, 
The question needs to be answered carefully and with great patience for people who struggle with doubts. But I believe that Paul is getting after this in Romans chapter 5. The importance of understanding that we have fallen in Adam. There are two categories of people really in this world. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. And we're going to get to the second part here when we talk about the solution. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ, those who are fallen in Adam, those who are redeemed in Christ, those are the only two categories that we have. And all are made in the image of God. Those who are in Christ are having the image of God in them restored. Those who are in Adam still live in the corruption of this fallen world. The source of our fallen nature is what Paul describes in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death came to all men because all sin. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Verse 18, consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, Verse 17, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. Paul is saying that sin and death has come into this world through Adam, through Adam's transgression. In the garden, Adam was instructed to guard it and to keep it. He was given a task to see that the garden would flourish and to multiply and make more bears of the image of God. To be fruitful. And we all know the story. The serpent snuck in under Adam's watch. And he deceived the woman, Eve, to eat from the fruit. But Adam is the one who is held guilty. Adam is the one who God comes to and says, what have you done? And this is a term, that this is a, a, a theological term that we call federal headship. that Adam is what we call a representative. Now, when I was at Synod, they told me that this is not a representative body, it's a deliberative body. But functionally, Synod is like a representative body. And that is to say that as I went and as I made decisions on the floor of Synod, I was doing so considering what Cottage Grove would think is best to vote for, what Class Siciliana would think is best to vote for. I'm a representative like the House of Representatives or the Synod. They are representing you. They are, you are their constituents. They are to vote with your convictions in mind, unless you're from Illinois and then none of them do that for us, right? Adam is our representative. He is our federal head. He is the perfect representative. And I tend to think that most people who who believe that us being fallen in Adam is unfair somehow think that if they were Adam, they would have done better. 
We have to trust that that is not the case. We have to trust that Adam was the perfect human representative. That as he fell in the garden, he was doing what every man would have done. He's the source of our wicked and perverse natural tendency to hate our poisoned nature, our fallen nature. And what's the extent? What's the extent of this fallen nature? Using all these terms, wicked, perverse, poison, natural tendency to hate, what can we gather from this? Well, I tend to think that this is where uh, Reformed Christians come down on the side of truth, on the side of Scripture, and where others disagree. Most people believe that, yes, we're all, we have a fallen nature, we have a sinful nature, and yes, Adam has something to do with that. Most Christians agree upon that. But this is what question 8 says about the extent of our fallen nature. Totally unable to do any good. Inclined toward all evil. This is about as clear a statement as you can make as holistic. It's entire. It includes everything. Totally unable to do any good, inclined toward all evil. This is what fallen nature insists of, consists of, what it entails. It's what Paul is thinking of when he says that death reigned from Adam to Moses. And he's not saying there that death didn't reign from Moses on. He's saying, when the law was given, therefore then we were seen and made aware of the sin in a clearer way. Not just from the light of nature, but from Scripture itself, from the law of God. Totally unable to do any good, inclined toward all evil. This is what we call total depravity. And when we describe total depravity, we're not saying that we're as sinful as we can be, that every human being has maximum sin, but we're saying that um, every part of us is affected. Should that be affected or effected? Every part is affected. Affected. Thank you. That's one of those words that I often look up on Google. Affected. What does affected, affected, affected mean? What is the definition there? Every part of our body, every part of our minds is affected by sin. Our heart, our mind. Well, what are you saying, Carrie? Can't, can't people who aren't Christians do good things? Philanthropists, 
so on and so forth, yes. But if our purpose as image of God is to do exactly what's described here, true righteousness, holiness, know God as creator, love him with all his heart, live with him in eternal happiness for his praise and glory, then everything that we consider earthly good that is not done for the glory of God is actually totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil. A wealthy man can give a million dollars to an orphanage, but if he does not do it to the glory of God, it is sin. It's sin. This is the extent of our fallen nature. It's all-encompassing. It's all-inclusive. It, it includes everything. It means that when Adam fell in the garden, his posterity onward was to be born in sin, not only to be guilty of his sin, but guilty of our own sin that we commit. Our heart is turned away from God. It's hard towards him. It's unreceptive toward him. Death is the result of this. Death is the result of our first parents' fall and disobedience in paradise. And that's what Hosea is talking about in that passage that we read from the Old Testament. That because Adam broke the covenant, God, in his judgment against Israel, sees the same kind of behavior, same kind of disobedience. Hosea chapter 6 says, Adam, just like Adam, they break the covenant. This covenant that Adam had, that God had with Adam, he broke. And the result of this is death the inability to do any good, inclined toward all evil. Okay, so that part I gave you is what I call the fall portion of the story arc for every hero. But that's a really horrible way to end a sermon because that's like ending a movie right at the worst part. So let's get to the good part, okay? Because it's important that we understand that we are fallen in Adam for one big reason. And it's the reason that Paul speaks of here in Romans chapter 5. After setting up that we have died in Adam, Paul gives a contrast, you could say. He said, yes, there's a first Adam. Who's the representative for humanity, right? And that's why we're fallen in sin, but there's a second Adam. And this second Adam is a representative for humanity as well. But unlike the first Adam, the second Adam does not fall. The second Adam maintains perfectly imaging God. And so I want us to think of is go to the answer 6 and think of Christ who imaged God, who was the very image of God. Christ was created good and in the image of God. He was God, but in his human nature, 
He imaged God perfectly. He was not fallen in Adam because he did not have an earthly father. Christ had true righteousness and holiness. He truly knew God, his creator, loved him with all his heart, and he's, he lived with him in eternal happiness, and he did everything for his praise and glory. The first Adam failed at this. The second Adam succeeds. I don't ever know if it has two C's or two E's. So I just do it both. The second Adam succeeds. This is why Paul says in verse 15, the gift is not like the trespass. So Adam has the trespass. Second Adam brings a gift. For if the many die by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This is a beautiful picture of the gospel. And my question to you is, if you don't want Adam as your representative, then how can you have Christ, the second Adam, as your representative? If you don't want Christ, if you don't want Adam to be the one whom you are fallen in, then how can you have Christ to be the one that you are resurrected in? This is redemptive history. This is the gospel. This is the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. Christ kept the covenant that Adam broke so that we could have the blessings of the covenant that, Adam, that God promised to Adam. Fruitfulness and multiplication. The ability to live forever in harmony and true happiness, righteousness and holiness truly know God our creator and to love him with all our heart. That is what Christ has purchased for us. That's what Christ has given us. So the source of our fallen nature is our first parents in the garden. But the solution to our fallen nature is Christ, our new representative, our new federal head. Christ, who can overcome even the great extent of our corrupt nature, our fallen nature. We are so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil. Christ, who is more powerful than the first Adam. Christ, who brings redemption. Salvation, restoration. We confess our fallen nature tonight. 
But we have a glimpse of the gospel and those final words from the catechism. Are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? Yes, unless we are born again. Because of the first Adam, we are born into sin, but because of the second Adam, we are born again. Because of what Christ has done, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the people of God and turns our corrupt nature so that we can see God again, that we can desire His presence, that we can strive for true righteousness and holiness, that because of Christ we can live with God in eternal happiness for His praise and glory. Although death came through Adam, life comes through Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these words. May you give us strength to confess our fallen nature, even now as we continue to struggle against the flesh. But Lord, may you grant us also the willingness, the ability to see that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. And because of what Christ has done for us, the brokenness of the image of God in us has been restored, is being restored. So that one day, because of Christ, we may come to truly know you, God, as our Creator. We love you with all of our heart and live with you in eternal happiness for your praise and glory. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Will you stand and sing with me, celebration?